The views expressed in our episodes are ours alone and do not represent any other organizations. Our episodes discuss internet crimes against children and cases that involve the exploitation of children and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Now, I want you all to know that while that opening music is playing, <laughs> Tony's over there dancing ridiculously. I'm not dancing. I'm jamming, jamming. It's ridiculous. My air guitar is solid, bro. Solid. Oh, my gosh. That, there's a reason. As we've said, there's a reason we're on podcast because <laughs> we have faces for podcast. Was that old? Like you have a face for radio? Yeah, that's true. That is true. We stay in our lane. I was very aware of that the other night when we did the live YouTube thing. I looked at myself and I said, oh, yeah, I've got a face for radio. I, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Things are well, very, very busy, but uh, we're getting lots and lots of great feedback. Uh, we've had a couple of good, solid weeks. Yep. Couple of cases going out, lots of uh, social media stuff. Even though we deal with this every single day, you'd think we would be like, you know, just like whiz bang perfect at it. And <laughs> we are far from it. Far from it. Yeah. Well, and you'll see like we, this is episode because we don't know which way we're going to, like what order episodes are going to come in. Right. So. It's an episode. It's an episode. It is an episode. And yeah. I think it's a great one. I think, uh, we're going to say that anyway, but but yeah, you no, guys no. are really going to like this one. This one is really good. It's interesting. <clears throat> I, uh, honestly, I will be doing probably most of the talking as this one goes, but this one goes back a ways. This is a 2010 case for me. And so this was like... Well, as we begin this episode, let's put out the disclaimer. Hey, we're going to yeah. use some graphic language or there's going to be some sexually explicit stuff yeah. said. And the names in this have been changed to protect the the integrity of the cases and and to not shame offenders and all that. So the name that is used today is randomly generated, and we're yep. calling him what? Michael Butler. All right. So what did Mr. Butler do? So, again, to flash back to 2010, this is one of my early cases that I worked. Um, this was a proactive investigation. And this, to show you how old school OG I am in the ICAC arena. This was very big, very popular because I was on Yahoo chat rooms. That's not OG. That's just old. <laughs> You're just old. Well, that goes along with OG. It does. A lot of the guys who do this um, remember the <clears throat> the time of Yahoo chat rooms. Um, man, it, those were glorious days. Those were <laughs> glorious. Easy, right? Oh, gosh, man. It was like fish in a barrel. Like it literally was like fish in a barrel. It was so easy. It was like stealing candy from a kid. Anyway. So, so what room were you in on Yahoo? Okay. So I was in a Las Vegas chat room. Now, typically I've told this story. I cannot tell you how many times, but typically when I mention the fact that, wait a minute, you are a cop in Texas and you're in a Las Vegas chat room. Let me guess. I think you're just, well, this is what I would think. Play it on me. You're just trying to get a free trip to Vegas. 
What? What? No. I had no role in it whatsoever. Did you um, get a free trip to Vegas? Maybe. There you go. All right. So here's full disclosure, right? Uh, the reason that I was poking around in a Las Vegas chat room at that time is because I have an older brother who's a cop in Vegas. And so while he does not do the type of cases that I do, um, nonetheless, I thought, well, hey, maybe, just maybe, I could make a case. And if it were to go down there in his jurisdiction, maybe he plays a role. And we would have some story to tell later on, you know, down the road while we're sitting around the Christmas dinner table and commiserating about our whole year. And so if I'm being really, really truthful, that's why I was in a Vegas chat room. But I want you to understand, it doesn't matter what room we're in or where we're chatting or what platform, people with this sort of propensity will come far and wide by plane, boat, car, train, uh, walk, maybe take a dart bus. I actually had one of those. Um, so they will go uh, to great lengths for one of these kind of deals. So I was in this room I was purporting to be a 14-year-old female in Texas. And so back in the day, in this time frame, in these chat rooms, the very big, big thing, almost the very first question that was ever posed by anybody in a room. ASL. ASL, which stands for? Age, sex, location. Right. So they want to know, how old are you? Are you male or female? And where are you from? ASL is kind of like the Yahoo chat version of LOL. You just put it without thinking. Absolutely. And so I was contacted by what we would refer to in today's terms as a DM. Uh, back then it was a IM, instant message. And um, probably within 90 seconds, I had established ASL, my age, sex, location with Butler, who also provided his information. And so the chat session began, instant message, private message between he and I. And so initially, it was about an hour, just under an hour, 57 minutes total for that first one. And within that 57-minute period of time, uh, there was all sorts of very heavily sexualized communications coming from Mr. Butler. And so many that I made note that there were 35 sexually uh, graphic solicitations that were sort of made in that first 57 minutes. So 35 sexual, sexual references in 57 minutes. Right. Wow. Yeah. So when, uh, of note on this is that when I first got into the room with Mr. Butler or the, uh, the private messaging rather his username was anonymized. And so it was just this random, you know, sort of numbers and letters kind of a thing. And, uh, But then he forwarded me a request to become his buddy. And that's what it was called back then, a buddy list. And so, of course, I accepted. And next thing you know, his random username changes to his real name, which (laughs) was... Helps us a lot. Yeah. It was like what we call a clue. Now, we're not giving you any sort of, I guess, any any information about something that is investigative. Because guess what? Yahoo rooms aren't around. Yep. They are gone, 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 long gone, sadly, (laughs) but they've been gone for quite a while. And so the benefit, obviously, of seeing this guy's 
real name. And while still there's a process to identify who that person is, you know, through legal process and things of that nature, it is a pretty good indicator up front if that actually comes back to information that I can validate. And so, like any good investigator, I ran what we call wildcard searches. And those are just um, names, sounds like this or that, different variations of spellings. And so I came up with a few hits. And lo and behold, the person whose name was in my buddy list, Mr. Butler, was already a registered sex offender. Now, wait. But on bumps. A registered sex offender is doing the same thing again? I know that that might be a shock for some of you listening, but yes, that's absolutely true. So we've talked about that recidivism and like the, I guess the reoffending or doing the same pattern of behavior before. Right. It does happen. Clearly. Now it doesn't always happen. No. Not every offender who becomes registered and has been convicted goes on to reoffend. Correct. It certainly does happen. It certainly does happen. And in this instance, it did happen. And so our communications went on. Um, now, can I ask, what yeah. What did you feel when you saw this person is already a registered sex offender? Like, what did that change for you? Well, obviously, it it changes a lot of things. Like, it changes this whole sort of dynamic of, you know, one, it's almost the shock and awe for me. Like, one, how dumb can he be to use his real name on this platform that's that's like number one and then number two is like holy smokes if he's not that smart then how many other kids is he actually communicating with because that time those platforms there was a lot of kids in there and i don't know about you for me it's always more like it it's even more serious right like it it kind of changes the tone about like ah this this one's even more dangerous than the normal dangerous ones. Yeah, it it definitely makes the hair on your neck stand up a little bit more, and it did so for me. So legal process gets sent off to confirm what I believe the the nature of this individual's chat was very, very aggressive. And so right off the bat, I told you, you know, our first deal was 57 minutes, and, um, you know, he's like, so you're looking for an older guy to teach you. Um, is that why you want to chat with me? And so my only response was like, I mean, it could be fun. And so right off the bat, the very next comment he says is, trust me, I'd love to fuck you, but I can't. Oh, wow. I'm thinking, I kind of know why. I mean, since you're already a registered sex offender, of course, he doesn't know that I Not know because that. because he's three states away. <laughs> right. Uh, so it begins to move. In that direction, he's making continual comments about wanting to hook up. Um, but he does make reference to, hey, you're a thousand miles away. And so my one of my replies was like, eh, it's only money, right? And <laughs> so, again, is that a little forward? Do we say things at times? Sometimes we shoot from the hip. Uh, we discussed that, right? Like the, the balancing <clears throat> of, yeah. oh, my gosh, is this too far or? Right. Sometimes you say something and then you think about it, right? You're like, oh, right. gosh, was that too far? Yeah. Sometimes we can't unring the bell, I guess, <laughs> is what's the case here. 
And so his reply when I said that is, is like, yeah, ha 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 and jail. And I'm like, okay, well said. And then his very next thing that he says, which um, was mentioned a lot in this is like, you could very well be a cop. And he said, cops do this all the time to put guys in jail. They entice them to meet and then they arrest them. So this individual is very well aware that you could not be real or that you could be a police or, you know, so why is he going on with this? Yeah. Well, I mean, we could unpack that a little bit, obviously, because he's already a registered sex offender. I could begin to make some assumptions because I don't know um, at this point yet. (coughs) Sorry about that. Um, I don't know at this point yet what exactly he was convicted of that made him become a registered sex offender, but I'm beginning to think it could have been online related based on his response. But the part I want to unpack the most is where he said, and these are his quotes, they entice them into a meeting and then they arrest them. And so I think as we've established in the intro episode and a few other episodes, like we have rules that we follow, right? Right. Which we're not going to give you the rules yeah. because we don't want any bad guys listening and saying like, oh, those are the rules they follow. Right. But what we can tell you is there are things we can and we cannot do. Enticing someone. I'm and, not going to make someone do something yeah. they wouldn't ordinarily do. Number one, how could we make somebody do something they don't want to do? So he's um, already done it. He, right. In fact, right. He's already been registered and convicted. and Right. And so that's sort of the nature of where things going uh, with Mr. Butler. I, of course I assured him in the best 14 year old female way that I could is that, well, Hey, listen, I'm not a cop, but if you don't want to talk, we don't have to talk yet. We continue to talk. And so because of the way this case was proceeding and some of the ways, uh, sometimes you'll hear some future episodes where, Uh, We work jointly on one particular case, oftentimes because I can have a cousin, an uncle, um, you know, a sibling, anything, anywhere I want. And so I had made mention of having an uncle that lived in the same location where Mr. Butler was from. Because kids have family that they go visit, right? Yeah. And it's not like we're doing something that isn't done all of the time with real children talking. And so he immediately asked, well, you know, hey, when's the next time you're coming to visit your uncle? And so uh, we had some discussions. Spring break was uh, in the near future when this case was going on. And uh, so it was sort of put out, well, maybe we'll come up there around spring break because that's what we normally do. Um, At that point, he told me, he's like, well, maybe you're going to get lucky if that's the case. I was like, well, okay. Um, and then what kind of threw me was he kind of drew a line in the sand that he just essentially refused to cross, which because of his status as an offender makes sense, uh, for him to say this, but he refused to send anything involving nude images. He didn't ask for nude images, which is very out of character for most of these guys. And he did not even suggest that he would send them. What'd that make you think? Like, what were you what was going through your mind, do you think, then? I can tell you a sex offender with morals was not what I was thinking because um, of his previous comments of what he wanted to do right off the bat. 
So he could have maybe have been maybe convicted for something like that before, yeah. or he was aware that that was a real serious thing, right? Yeah. So I my assumption, because I didn't have confirmation yet, was that in all likelihood, whatever he had been previously convicted of likely surrounded nude images and or some sort of online solicitation of sorts. And so those were... Um, you know, things that I was kind of thinking out. But as this progressed, there was sort of his request for validation of my legitimacy. And so I won't tell you the nature of the way we do it, but I will say that he received a phone call. And so the phone call was like teeing up a Grand Slam home run, and it just absolutely sealed the deal in his mind that this, this is legit. This is a real deal. <clears throat> so that was very helpful. Um, but he was also very, very worried, concerned about law enforcement. Obviously that was like paramount in most of his, um, you know, communications aside from the very, very aggressive sexual deviancy that he, you know, expressed a lot. Um, the secondary theme was, I don't want to get arrested. Now think about this as a sex offender, right? He has certain guidelines that he has to follow more, more specifically things he can't do. Oftentimes he can't be around, you know, or have sexually graphic communications with someone underage, things like that. He can't talk to someone in this way. He can't send nude images, all of that stuff. Right. So, yeah. So that's probably first and foremost on his mind because he knows What's he risking if he gets caught doing that? Oh, yeah. He's risking going back to prison you know, for, sure. for whatever period of time. And so I just sort of casually asked him, <clears throat> I'm like, man, you, you seem to know a lot about this, but uh, um, like, how is it you know so much about this? And he's like, oh, well, I knew a guy that got arrested. And I was like, oh, wow, that, that sucks. He knew and him well. He knew well. And then he said, a friend, and I'm doing air quotes right now friend uh went to prison and now he's a registered sex offender a friend and he said he basically added i would really like to avoid that like okay that makes sense um now you never thought that how do you avoid it is not doing it i suspect it crossed his mind (laughs) uh but in terms that uh may sound offensive um and i don't mean to be offensive but uh, most of these guys are little head thinking instead of big head thinking. And when they little head think, uh, things go awry very quickly. Stop being offensive and continue the story. <laughs> okay. So I've opted with today's episode <clears throat> to sort of pull in a section of chat from our actual chat. And so what I'd like to do is go through that. I guess I'm going to be the bad guy or am I going to be the kid here? Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that up to you. What, what do you prefer? I'll be the bad guy. It's less creepy. Okay. So for this next section, for those of you driving and can't see, I do have it sort of written up on a screen here. And so, uh, I'm in, I'm in black and your words are in red. Gotcha. Got it. So So here's read a section of the chat. Yeah. We're going to read a section of the chat. This is straight from, the case notes it is. of the case. It now, is. It's, it's really, 
written out so that you can hear exactly how this person is speaking. So we changed his name. Butler obviously is our made up name. And uh, Tony's going to do the undercover. Okay, here we go. My question, uh, did he have sex with someone? That's why we're just meeting a movie. No, it was a cop. Shut up. You're kidding. They arrested him when he showed up at the house. They told him to go to. Holy crap. Yeah, there's a group of people that helped them, too. I bet he was scared. What do you mean? They act like girls online. Who? Shut up. Yeah, they're called perverted justice. I never heard of that before. They call the cops when they have a guy they're chatting to. They're big in Texas. That doesn't even sound right. It's just talking, right? I know, but they made it all legal. I don't see the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I'm still a little worried you could be them. You're worried for no reason, because I'm not. Okay, I trust you. Well, I trust you, too. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) That is creepy. It's terrible. Yeah. But it is exactly what was written. And I could sadly... I'm slightly intrigued to maybe have a case study in the future where we do the entire case. That would be back and forth. I think our listeners are going to probably want to donate to our acting (laughs) lessons first. Maybe, but man, it's like dramatic reading or something. (laughs) That felt like an old radio show. So Uh, what happened next? um, Essentially, Mr. Butler began to express deep levels of love for me. Which was nice, I guess. I'm going to just break the ice and just throw it out there. Tony has a lot of people that love him. I've been engaged a few times. He seems to get rings more than any other person I've seen. He gets marriage proposals far more than I've ever gotten. People, I guess the bad guys that I talk to always just want something quick and, and I guess, short. But Tony gets marriage proposed a lot. Yeah, he was actually, he did not propose marriage, but uh, he was he was head over heels. I told everybody, I think in the opener, like, I am I told you, I'm the hottest 12, 13-year-old girl on the internet. As creepy as that sounds, and looks, I am. But anyway, he professed a lot of love for me. Uh, this kind of progressed over the course of maybe a month, month and a half, something like that. And spring break was quickly approaching. And so I began to determine, okay, this guy is not going to travel to Texas. It, clearly, he's made that point more than one time. Because he was waiting for you to come to him. Right. And so I think I might have like carved out my own small piece of, of history with doing cases in the fact that I planned this entire situation, this entire takedown, this entire op as a reversal in the sense that the kid was going to travel to Las Vegas to visit family and the offense would take place in that jurisdiction, which is a 180 difference from what we normally would do. And that's, that's difficult, right? Because now you're running into jurisdictional issues and you're trying to pair up with a team that's not your own. Yeah. And so that logistically was an absolute nightmare. I will say that from my perspective, I had just I had just completed a case where uh, we had very a very big success in so much and I had 
it was very involved and it was very similar to the way this was moving in that direction. And so having come off of that previous case, like with a win, you know, on, on the high, riding the high wave, I thought in my head, it made perfect sense. I'm like, Oh, I got this down to a science, you know, like I know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it, how it's going to go down. I'm just going to plug names in for people I don't normally work with, but this is how it's going to work. Well, I realized that just because it made perfect sense in my head, it didn't necessarily translate translate that way when it crossed eight lines. And so I met some resistance, um, not willingness, just resistance, because I think about it in this context, like if someone from Nevada or Oregon or New York or Michigan were to call me and say, hey, guess what? We're going to do a takedown in your jurisdiction and I need you to bring me, you know, 10, 10, 12 guys or whatever. I need you to do this, this, and this. That sounds kind of presumptuous. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it didn't, it didn't feel that way though to you. No, it didn't feel that way. I, I, I don't know why. I guess I just had this pious sort of view that people were going to be like, Oh, it's, we're, yeah, we're rescuing kids. Oh, it's Tony. Like, why not? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Your fame hadn't translated to Nevada yet. Well, we do actually find that a lot of pe- people in this realm are very willing to drop yeah. what they're doing and help us. Yeah. Or, and we, them, I mean, I get that sometimes like, Hey, we're coming to your area. Right. Can you drop what you're doing and help us do whatever? And in a drop of a hat, we try and do it. Right. But it certainly does take some planning and, and permissions from above. Yeah. Also something I didn't quite necessarily have at the time. So I, uh, in that instance, I began to work it up. I began to plan it. Now, my first level of supervision was very aware of what was happening. And there was actually a game plan to send me to Las Vegas for to participate in that takedown, in that arrest, in that search warrant, and all the things that follow. So that I would have to be the one to testify, not them. Because technically the offense was going to happen. I mean, the online offense had already happened but the actual offense was going to happen in that jurisdiction. So we were subject to their laws, obviously. So it seemed like a really good plan. I had it all spelled out. I met some resistance. I met some really, um, could you send us all the chats? Could you send us the whole case? We need to review this. We need to look at that. I had already had planned where the takedown was going to happen, how it was going to take down, because it was all precipitated by Mr. Butler. He was very, very specific about where, about when, and what that was, was a movie. We're going to meet on a Saturday at the earliest movie, which was the longest movie was at that time was Avatar. It was two and a half hours long. He was very specific about which theater, where I was to sit, what time I was to arrive, what I was to be wearing, like all of these details. He picked the movie? He picked everything. And did you see the irony right off the bat that he picked Avatar? <laughs> I guess the concept of someone pretending to be something else. <laughs> Again. It, stuck, it sticks out to me. Yeah, it stuck out to me stuck as well. Me. And so, hence why I said, hey, this is a, a, a very memorable case. And so, I was sort of at the mercy of 
you know, what he was willing to do based on where I was purporting to be in relation to there and et cetera, et cetera. And so as this week was approaching, I was beginning to get very nervous simply because though I had the plan in my head, I didn't have the team to back it up. So I thought, what am I going to do? I mentioned that my brother was an officer there. I reached out to him to say, uh, hey, by the way, I've got this guy. And uh, what do you think? And so we came up with a we. I say we, me and my brother came up with a game plan. And so he went through his chain. And so we sort of had a last-ditch effort. Like, I'm going to use uniform guys and we're going to we're going to do this no matter what. And so while that seemed reasonable, a, a wrench was thrown into the system where I said I was supposed to go there, and then all of a sudden I was denied the ability to go there. Now what does that do? Uh, that really, that threw me. Because now you're asking a team that's not yours to do your work without you there and without you being really part of it. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, that sucks. Like I wouldn't do that to somebody like normally that's just so out of character. I would never even consider doing that. And so the thought of that happening, uh, really made me a little sick in the stomach and I, and I'm not going to lie. I was mad. I was angry because I was, told it was denied my approval was denied because it was too expensive to fly there and it was 226 dollars is what it would have cost round trip did you think about paying that yourself (laughs) yes i absolutely offered to do that and i was told that no i would not be approved the time uh anyway nonetheless i did reach out at the time of this uh case i was affiliated with a, a federal task force. And so I reached out to them locally here and I was like, Hey, I'm kind of in a bind. I'm on this case. It's developing, it's progressing. However, it's going to happen in Las Vegas. And it was like, Oh, okay, well give me 10 minutes and I'll get somebody on the phone for you. And so literally within 10 minutes, I received this phone call from a special agent in Las Vegas. Um, Fabulous guy. Like, I wish I could tell you who he is, but I am not. I didn't ask his permission first, uh, though I have no doubt that he would have no problem with it. I suspect he's long since been retired. He He was an old head then, so I suspect he's a much older head now. Our federal partners are really awesome. They really are. This guy... This guy was unbelievable. And so now here we are. I want you to, I want to paint this picture for those of you listening. It's Friday. It's travel day. I've already provided Mr. Butler with the flight name, flight number, arrival time. This was all planned out. The meet again was set for the next day, Saturday. And now it's Friday afternoon. And I'm about two hours away from theoretically going and getting on an airplane with my 
mother to go visit family in Las Vegas. And so <clears throat> I relay all of this to this agent and he's like, dude, that's cool, man. Like, that's awesome. And, and, but in my mind, I'm thinking, but it's Friday and like, everybody's got plans for the weekend. And I know getting together a group of people to do a takedown on a Saturday with less than a day's notice, that sucks. And so, but he had, did not have that. He's like, no problem. He's like, I'll have 15 guys volunteer for this. Don't worry about that. So now, like, I find that to be very common across all agencies we work with. Yeah. For some reason, and, and it's not surprising, but for some reason, you know, you can say what we're doing and agencies with uh, cops everywhere say, all right, what do you need? We'll have as many as you yeah. need. We, we've seen that just recently in yep. a case, right? Where yep. we had to reach out to another agency and we had, the best help yeah. and the best reception and people were so quick to just drop what they were doing and help. Yeah. It was, it, it reaffirmed my belief that I had begun to, to lose slightly because I sort of got some blowback. And while I understand why I got the blowback, um, it still wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting a little more of what, I ended up getting in the end, but nonetheless, it's Friday. I give this agent all of the pertinent information about the flight, the time, the location, yada, yada, yada. And so we're on the phone and we're talking and he's like, okay, if anything changes, call me back. I said, okay. So I had been told um, by my agency, hey, whatever you got to do, stay as long as you need to stay, do what you got to do, see this thing through. You got to come in tomorrow, come in tomorrow, whatever. I was like, okay, no problem. So I'm about 45 minutes from packing it up and leaving for the day. And I get a message from Mr. Butler. And essentially, he asks me, hey, what are you wearing on the plane? And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, what? Like, I don't know. So like, I, I make something up. I said, oh, I'm wearing pink sweats. Remember, this was in a time of year where it was cool. I was like, I'll be wearing pink sweats, says pink on the butt, and I'll be wearing a pink hoodie, says pink on the back. And his response was, oh, that's so hot. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? How, why? How'd you come up with that outfit so quickly? I, I uh, Off the top of your head? Yeah, I pulled it out of my nether regions. I, <laughs> I literally just made it up. Wow. Uh not knowing that he would find it so yeah, I had satisfying. No, no clue. Gotcha. And so he said, after he said it was so hot, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And then he said, you know what? I don't think I can wait till tomorrow. I think I'm coming to the airport. Rut row. Yeah, <laughs> rut row. That's a huge wrench thrown into the plane. <clears throat> we get yeah. that a lot, right? Yeah. Like suspects like to throw little curveballs at us. Well, this was a big one. This was a big, big, big one. And so immediately, of course, my response is like, like, okay, that's awesome. But I don't, I don't understand. Like, why did he ask? And and I'm like, my mom, I'll be with my mom. And so he said, I just can't, I can't know that you're here and not lay eyes on you. And so he goes, I want to know what you're wearing so that I'll be able to recognize you. He goes, cause I'm going to be at the baggage claim. And I'm like, okay. 
And so I was like, hey, we're packing. I'm getting ready to go. I'll talk to you in a little bit. And then I go into like the oh crap mode. I'm like, okay, I've been to the airport in Las Vegas. He can get to the baggage claim. And in my mind, I'm thinking, can he get to the gate? Has can No, you can't get to the gate. Could he get to the gate? I'm thinking all these things in my mind. I'm like, no, I don't think he can get to the gate, but he can get to the baggage claim. So I call this agent and I was like, dude, this is what happened. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's coming tonight? And I said, that's what he said. I'm sorry. And so he goes, all right, man, no problem. He goes, call me back in 15 minutes. And you're having to do this remotely, which is even worse. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's a not great. Right. I was going to give an analogy and I'm taking it back. Now. Okay. So, so continue. I, I call him back about 15 minutes later and he's like, all right, man, I got 17 people lined up and I'm like, what? And he's like, I got 17 people. They all volunteered. He goes, I've got guys sitting at his place, his house doing surveillance. He said, I've got a trail team that's going to trail him. If he leaves, he goes, we have a tracker on his car. We put a tracker on his car. And I'm like, holy smokes. He said, we're going to follow him. We're going to surveil him. I have a helicopter to follow him. I'm like, what? He goes, I got guys all over the things we don't see often. Yeah. He goes, I got guys everywhere. No problem. He goes, what did he ask? And I said, well, he he asked what I was wearing on the plane. And I said, um, well, I told him I was wearing pink sweats and a pink hoodie. It says pink on the butt, pink on the back. He goes, are you crazy? And I said, what? He goes, are you freaking crazy? Is that what you told him? I said, yeah. He goes, dude, this is Las Vegas. <laughs> he said, do you know what comes in here on Friday nights? I'm like, oh, so his concern was how many other how people many- are going to have Right. The same outfit on. And he said, we have a enormous population of young ladies from other states, California, that fly in here on Friday evening, work the weekend, and fly back and make lots and lots of money. And I'm like, I I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't think. I'm, I'm sorry. And he goes, you know what they all wear? Pink. <laughs> they all wear pink. So now I'm in freak out mode. So what, tell me what this, why did this guy want to know that? He says, I want to see you all be a baggage claim. What did he expect? Well, essentially he said, if he was given the opportunity, he was going to come up alongside of me while my mother was distracted at the baggage claim, retrieving our bags. And his initial response was he was going to grab my little ass and then he was going to walk away. I'll take that as a quote. That was a quote. Yes. And then it, he said even further that if he's given the opportunity, he will place his hand inside the sweatpants bottoms and do a little grope, grope, and then remove his hand quickly and leave. So this sicko thinks at the baggage claim, because I can't wait till tomorrow, Right. While your mom's not watching, I'm going to grope you underneath your clothes. Yes. And it's all going to be okay, and then we'll just have this meeting tomorrow. In his mind, that's where he's going. And that's that's how far gone 
some of yeah. our offenders get into yeah. this. This guy's gone. Yeah. I mean, he's gone. So did he get the opportunity to see someone in pink sweatpants there? Well, essentially what happens is my plane is in the air, which buys me a couple hours, obviously, where I don't have to communicate with him. And I'm coordinating and talking to the special agent there who tells me, hey, we're on him. He is leaving the house right now. We are following him. We have him covered by air and ground units. He is heading towards the airport. And I get an update that he is at the airport. He has arrived at the airport. He's parked. He's trailed by undercovers. He goes into the airport and stages himself near the baggage claim for the flight that's arriving from Texas. And so the agent tells me, he's like, he goes, thank gosh, this guy is tall. Now he's tall. He's like six foot five, six foot six or something like that. And I said, why is that? And he goes, cause he stands out like crazy. <laughs> he said, we, you, know, you can spot him from, you know, like a mile away. And the twist on it was when he asked what I was wearing on the plane, I said, well, what are you going to be wearing? And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you. It's going to be a surprise. So not only is he so depraved that he feels like he can go do a hands-on offense at the time while the child's mother is two feet away, but he's going to be devious enough not to even, you know, want to give up what he's doing just in case. Like a lot of thought there. Yeah. He's, he's planning for the worst, right? He is. And so as it progresses, the agent tells me, he's like, listen, your plane's like six minutes away. He said, when that plane lands, I'm going to tell you, hey, you're on the ground. Start texting him. Okay. So that's what happens. He tells me, hey, you're on the ground. Start texting him. And so I do. Hey, I'm here. I'm blah, blah, blah. We're making our way to the gate. He's like, Oh, I'm so excited. I'm at the baggage claim. I can't wait. All these communications are going back and forth. And so the agent says, okay, how many messages are going back and forth? And I was like, um, I was like, I don't know, you know, five or six, maybe seven a piece. And he's like, ah, that's more than enough. He goes, we are moving in. And I tell him, I was like, hey, do not hang up this phone. Do not under any circumstances Hang up this phone. I was like, I'm supposed to be there right now with you doing this. I was like, I have to hear everything. And so he's like, he's laughing. He's like, okay. So it goes on. They start moving in. I hear lots of, you know, police, show your hands, get your hands up. Lots of screaming, all the things that you would hear. I hear this background moan, like, like, um, like, I don't know how to describe it. Things going badly. <laughs> Things going badly. I hear, oh, not again. <laughs> Followed by a thumping, thump, thump, thump. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm screaming into the phone. What's happening? What's going on? And then it's kind of sounds a little chaotic. I, I hear a bunch of voices. <laughs> the agent gets on the phone. And he is laughing. He's like, did you hear all that? I said, yeah, I heard it. What happened? He's like, 
He started banging his head into the wall. Not again. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> oh, so it he was, was the one thumping his own head. He was the one thumping worse. his own head. And so <laughs> they got him in custody. Things went very well. And you um, realize Tony's told this story. How many times did he say he's told this story a bunch before? And he's oh, still super oh man, laughing and tickled so, by this. Well, here's the deal. And, and this is a, a part of it that I have talked about in the past, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. But in in uh, review of my stuff and, you know, doing research and stuff, I remembered that this there was a video. I was sent a video of the arrest from the airport course i didn't get it for about a month or something and i i don't know that i'm gonna try to paint this picture the very best that i can because it's just pure greatness and so <laughs> the video there's no audio it's just a video of the obviously like the airport security cameras and they zoom in on on this guy and he's at first he's reading a newspaper and then he goes and stands against this wall and he's like right there in the baggage claim and so as he's standing there, there's a water fountain on one side of him. There's a vending machine on the other side of him. He's kind of nestled between the two. And he's watching every female that walks by, every single one of them, which is so scary to even think about. Well, next to the vending machine is an ATM, like a small ATM. And on the other side of the ATM is a kid, like a boy, like about 12, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. And he is behind, and I'm trying to, I know this is audio only, but I'm trying to paint this picture. He is on the side of the ATM, and he's, but he's facing towards where the suspect is. And so he, if you can visually see, he puts his fingers on the edge of the ATM, and he, like he's hidden behind the ATM, but he's pulling his head out around the ATM as though he is watching our guy. He is doing surveillance. He's doing surveillance. He's like a... 10 year old guy doing surveillance. And I'm like, what is he doing? And so he quick peeks, he sees the guy, he ducks back behind the ATM. And then you see him turn and he obviously he's communicating with somebody. He's doing hand signs. He's saying something, but obviously there's no audio. And so then he does it again, like three different times. He pulls, pulls his head around. He looks hand sign, hand sign. And, and I'm like, I was like, what the heck? Did you have to ask the agent if he had employed a 10-year-old surveillance? I did agent? ask. I was like, who was that agent? I was like, is he a little person? And he said, no. He goes, I was just a kid. He was there with his parents, you know, on a different flight or something like that. He just, he just happened, to be, he just doing happened to be doing that. And when the police all came out, what did the kid do? He, he watched. He, like, was peeking around the edge. He was watching. And as soon as they kind of grabbed him and the guy started kind of fighting a little bit, and they were cuffing him up, he bolted. He just, like, took <laughs> off. He was out of the picture. And but somewhere he is a great undercover federal agent somewhere. I guarantee it. Now, there. you know, he's probably a 20-year-old kid in some police academy somewhere trying to learn how to become a cop. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, so the, tell us what happened to Mr. Butler. Well, Mr. Butler requested a jury trial, which, believe it or not, he's allowed to do. Right. I wouldn't think that would be very prudent for someone in his situation. Uh, but the reason that he did is because uh, charges were filed federally. And so there are some requirements because of his status 
um, because he was already a registered sex offender, he was automatically, whatever sentence he got, he was automatically getting an additional 10 years on top of that. If he was convicted. If convicted. Right. Because he was already a registered sex offender. And so ultimately we went to, to a jury trial and the little banter that you and I did reading back and forth the chat. Well, we did that in trial, me and the prosecutor. I read um, my portion as the undercover and she read his portion as the suspect. I bet she did it better than I did. She did a great job. <laughs> uh, but I will say there was a lot, a lot of chat. Yeah. And I will say that the jury was not pleased to have to listen to all of it. Right. And so I, I am sympathetic to them for that. Um, he was convicted and uh, he received a 37 year sentence plus the 10. So he, he ended up with 47 years total. Well, there are some interesting things you've relayed about who he was before his first convictions, what he was registered for and kind of how quickly it right. came for you. Yeah. To talk and about. so uh, the interesting twist on this case is that um, the offense that he was convicted of prior and what made him a registered sex offender is that he was a hands-on offender. He was an active duty member of the Air Force. He was a 19-year career uh, soldier in the Air Force. He was serving, and he had an he had this online relationship with a real kid who he actually met in real life and did terrible things to victimize that child. And he was caught, and he was convicted and went to prison, and that's what made him a registered sex offender. The part that uh, that gives this the interesting part is the job that he had in the military, and the job that he had was he was a flight attendant on air force two, which, which one is that? That's the, that's the vice president of the United States or any other very important dignitary. So he's a flight attendant, flight attendant on air force two. He was. And then he was convicted of a hands-on offense. He was. And then he served some time and yep. registered. And what did he do there? He petitioned the court to say, I want to move to Las Vegas. I have family that live there. And so he went through some process, whatever that process is, they granted that ability and he moved over to Nevada. He was registering in Nevada and he had been ordered. He had a period of time where he was ordered where he could not even own a computer. Like he was not allowed to be on a computer. So it's probably a significant amount of time, right? That yeah. he couldn't have a computer. Right. Or he, or he makes a promise to not use a computer again. He does. He tells them, and, and they, I remember they told me on the phone, like during this process, that it's one of those, you know, like they do a oath kind of thing. Like, you know, raise your hand and you promise you're not going to do this, 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 or this while you're here in Nevada. And he says, I promise. And um, Did he break that promise? Yeah. 17 days later, 17 days after registering and moving to Nevada, he was online with me. So it goes to show you that, uh, you know, the bottom line is there are some very bad, bad, twisted people. And he was not rehabilitated, obviously, no. because he reoffended quickly after that. Very quickly and um, very much has some issues. But the upside is 
he has a lot of time to work those out. I think a takeaway I see from this case, and it's super interesting. I told you guys would like this one. But what I take away from this one is, do you see all of the devious ways um, that he's trying to get this child to do these things while also trying to cover for himself or to make himself feel better and also to not get caught? So he's saying all of these things to to make sure you're not a police officer and he's covering all of these things and he won't do certain things and he's covering tracks in certain ways. Um, So it just shows the length to which some people will go to try and get away with this thing that they're going to do, even with all of these restrictions in place. Right. So being a registered sex offender, making an oath of not being online and all of those things didn't stop him from doing it again. No, he was just very overt in his trying to, get away with it yeah and luckily i will tell you another side note on this is that after forensics were completed on his devices it turns out that he was chatting with others uh nine matter of fact nine other individuals and all were law enforcement (laughs) so he was not getting away with it this time (laughs) this time uh, the good Lord had his hand over the ICAC task force in the United States because however unlucky of a person can be um, to talk to nine different groups um, or or individuals scattered around the United States and, and he, all yeah. being cops. like And he's not our only one. And he's not our only he's one. He's not our only one that's done that. So. Yeah, definitely not. Well, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode of of catfish cops this episode had a lot of twists and turns and it was interesting to me so i hope it was interesting to our listeners Uh, if you have any questions for us we're asking that you send those in to our website Um, you can click on the submit to your email and you can submit questions there you can submit your questions on our social media page or pages and if you would like to um, know something or ask a question, we'll answer those questions on future episodes. If you want your name mentioned, let us know. If you don't want your name mentioned, more importantly, let us know. And yep. we won't do that, um, but we will answer your questions. So please, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, please rate. Uh, give us a five-star rating yeah. and review us. And uh, even your constructive criticism is welcome. <laughs> Um, and please continue to listen, continue to follow, continue to tell your friends about us. Uh, we are enjoying this, but we're just two weirdos talking to ourselves in a room. <laughs> if you're not listening and, and joining in. Uh, so thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you your for time, your time. And we just, uh, we thank you for everything. See uh, you we'll next week. Talk to you soon.